Welcome to All Things Tibet, a podcast hosted by Taylor and Brittany. We'll be coming to you with brand new episodes every Tuesday. If you want to tweet along as you listen, feel free to use the hashtag AllThingsTibetPod. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. So this is All Things Tibet episode, oh, I don't even, couldn't even tell you. I know that today we're talking about season one, episode 10. Do you have any idea what episode we're on now? Uh, 16, 17? That sounds right. Well, guess what, bitches? We're back. It's just us today. We don't have any guest stars. It's just Taylor and I. We are throwing it back to the original format of how we did things once upon a time, but we do have some more folks that will be joining us in the coming weeks as we wrap up season one of the original series, and we have some conversation type discussions coming a little bit later as we approach the end of our season of this podcast yeah so we're like 16 or 17 episodes in how how do you feel about that taylor um weird proud (laughs) because i really was not i'm as you very well know i have some attention deficit issues no And so to actually get, you know, even five episodes into something, which to be fair, I owe entirely to you because every week you're like, when are we recording? And I'm like, oh shit, right. That's the thing we have to do. But yeah, no, it feels really good. And it feels really good that like a fair number of people actually listen every week. Yeah. That like never gets like less weird to me that people are like I listen to the pod and I'm like like that's so nice like triple digits consistently yeah like every episode yeah like that's weird because I genuinely thought it would be like maybe 20 people like that would be like a really good metric for us yeah and it's so much more than that and I genuinely don't know how to handle it except to just be really grateful for it Mm-hmm. and that honestly I can honestly say at this point I mean I don't know about you I'm like that's the only reason I'm pretty sure we're still doing this like oh yeah this summer has been so hard to do anything just motivation wise mm-hmm. that I know that's the only the only reason is like just when it's been a week that's been horrible and I don't want to do anything I'm like but people will be so sad if I don't do it yeah. And I don't I don't want to let people down like that. I want to give people something to listen to, even if it's just me derpily ranting about what it's like to be 17 episodes into a podcast for way too long. So basically this is me taking way too much time to say we would not be 17 episodes into this podcast without the people that are listening to it. So yes. thank you it feels really good and it would not feel really good without those of you who are listening to it. So thanks guys. And thanks for how does it feel for you, Brittany? Well, yeah, it feels weird. It feels weird that we have like stuck to this because I never really anticipated getting so close to the end of our like first season. And we like talked about doing things that like came to life. Like we said that we wanted to bring people on and we wanted to talk, like we wanted to talk to other creators and we wanted to, to, you know, just have honest conversations about 
our feelings on this like fictional couple, but also just like the life issues that come up along the way. So, you know, I think it's been a lot of fun and I think it kind of gave me like an additional boost to have like Ash and Jules and um, even listening to the episode that you all did with Molly and Becca. I think that just kind of, again, kind of just like re-motivated me to like be more engaged in this platform that we have, because I mean, you're right. We just do this as like a thing to do. yeah. And it's something that when we started, we never said like, this is how many episodes we're going to do. Like, this is the, this is what we're going to do. I mean, I remember in the first episode, even saying like, this is our podcast, we're going to do whatever we want. And uh, I think for me, it's been really fun making other friends in the fandom along the way because of the podcast and just like having more conversations about things and just hearing other people's perspective that I would have never really like thought. Yeah. It's, it's a great way to kind of step out from like the normal, what can be negative experience that you and I both have, have had in this fandom. Like it's something fun to look forward to. Yeah. Which that negative experience, which I don't think I realized it is the whole reason that you and I kind of started this in the first place is that you and I both had a very negative experience in this fandom and needed something positive to do with mm-hmm. all of that energy. Yeah. And to just now know that this actually very positive thing has actually come out of that. Yeah to now kind of step back and realize that that has actually happened is actually kind of beautiful. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. Well, I also think too, that like Ash made a good point when she was on with us a couple, it had to be over a month ago now, but several weeks ago when she'd said like, you know, the L word fandom, you can like and love and, and have opinions on whoever you want in this fandom. Right. And I think that a lot of the, negativity and the bullshit that goes on in the Tibet fandom specifically is like people trying to gatekeep this fictional couple and saying like you're only a true Tibet fan if you love them in the original series and you hate everything that is Gen Q or if you don't acknowledge their divorce or you don't this or you don't that and like I guess for those who are listening, who are in like areas where you don't have friends, even, you know, on the internet that you can talk to about the show, but it resonates with you. Please don't ever feel like you don't have a place in this fandom because every single one of us do. Doesn't matter if you're a podcast creator. It doesn't matter if you write fanfic or run an Instagram account. Doesn't matter if you don't do any of those things. It doesn't matter if all you're doing is just watching the content as it comes through you are still a valid part of this fandom absolutely yeah and i just think a lot of people have like let it come get to their head that because they have loved tibet from day one or they have this or they have that or they have this enlightened sense of view like fuck that you know yeah we all love these characters for different reasons right and i don't know maybe this is because i am still a relatively young person and so you know I have never had the experience 
yet of being on the other side of this equation, but I just, mm-hmm. you know, gatekeeping doesn't make sense to me. You know, yeah. why would you not want more people to love the thing that you love? Yeah. It gives you more friends. It yeah. gives you more resources, you know? Well, and I mean, it gives yes. these, these people that you love, it gives them more followers and fans and things that are positive for their career. Right. And yes, sometimes things going more mainstream changes things and, you know, makes things different, but Mm -hmm. different is not bad. Mm -hmm. It's just different. Yeah. And, you know, change is something that we all have to learn to deal with. Yep. And, you know, I don't know what to say other than, you know, that's part of life. These characters would not be the same if they came back. Like, that. that's just how time works. Yeah. I don't know what to say other than that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, it's, it's not like, I don't know what people think Gen Q was going to be. Yeah. Like if it was just magically going to be like surprise, it's still 2010. And even though it's in 2018 or whenever season one happened, like, yeah, it's eight years later, but no time has gone by. I don't know, Mm -hmm. you know, but yeah, that's another tangent, but yeah, just, you know, just let people in, you know, that's how I see it is just open your arms and let people in. I mean, you know, whether it's the L word fandom or the LGBT community at large, like why, what do you gain from being like, you're not enough to be here? Oh yeah. Or to like have an opinion on something and someone comes back with, well, my opinion or my view on this is right because I've been a part of this fandom longer or I have a deeper understanding of them. Like, Unless you are Jennifer Beals or Laurel Holloman or Eileen Shaken. Yeah. Or even Marja at this point, like, I don't want to hear that your opinion is more valid or higher ranking than anybody else right. in this fandom. Like right. and nobody wants to deal with people who are self-righteous. So if you think that like, it's a flex and a swerve that like you are being a bitch I promise you that like you are just making it harder on yourself to like fit in and not that that's what it's about right like we all have our quirks we're all different we come from different walks of life we have different stories but it's just don't don't be an asshole I guess is what I'm trying to say is like (laughs) it's a good rule of thumb for fandom and for life yeah if if you are currently living your life saying and doing things that make you an asshole I would just ask you to reconsider that. (laughs) I mean, but it's a good point. You know, I think sometimes, and this is not exclusive to the L word fandom. I have been in many, many fandoms and it happens. If it gets to a certain size, it is almost inevitable that it is going to happen. That certain fans get to certain, I saw, I read a book once that called them big name fans, which I think is the perfect term for them that certain fans get a certain amount of clout or notoriety Mm -hmm. and a lot of them when that happens seem to think 
they magically seem to think that this somehow means that their thoughts are canon. Yes. And that somehow that even though they are still very much fans and not in any way involved in production, mm-hmm. somehow their opinions are more canon than other people's opinions. Mm-hmm. And I I don't know how to say this, but they're not. Yeah. They're just not. Like, yeah. I've been a big name fan in a couple of fandoms. They're, trust me, they're not. Yeah. As much as you would like them to be, they're not. They're just not. Yeah. Like, it's fun to pretend, but they're not. You That's know? what I love. I love so much about our friend Amber, who it's her, actually her birthday <laughs> today. So happy birthday, Amber. Happy um, birthday, Amber. Oh my God, it is. <laughs> I love that about her. Amber, if um, y'all recall, was the first guest that we had on the show. Yes. On our, on our little podcast. Like she and, wasn't even like an official guest. She was yeah, just here. For we were like, episode. we need you to come and talk about that with us for an hour. So can you just come and join us? And she's always like willing to do that. But I remember when we started the podcast, she said, thank you so much for doing this because it's like opened my eyes and kind of given me a different perspective on Tibet's divorce and things like that. And like, hearing that from her is so special because she has been a fan since the beginning and what I love about her and talking to her about Jen and Laurel or Chabat or that word or anything is like she has never come from it from like a I my opinion is more valid than yours I'm right because of this I'm you know she is always like open to having conversations about it it's clear that she really just loves this couple and she doesn't try to gatekeep it just because she's been around longer than a lot of us no and you know what else i really like about amber is that she's able to talk about the generational differences without being like i'm older therefore i'm right yes you know she'll say i'm from this generation and this is how generationally I was raised and what sort of generational values I was instilled with. Therefore, this is how I think it affects my views on this couple. Yeah. But she doesn't then follow that up with, I'm older, therefore I'm correct. Yeah, (laughs) Which I think sometimes bleeds in because one of the sort of double-edged swords of this fandom is that there are so many generations involved in it. And I think sometimes there is kind of that tendency to kind of have those walls come up and just be like, I've been on the planet longer, therefore I know better. Yeah. Which, you know, as someone who is, again, I know that those of you who are older are going to laugh at this because comparatively it sounds stupid, but you know, as someone in their late twenties now having to deal with like teenagers, I understand the impulse. So, you know, I'm sure people in like their 40s and 50s are like, oh my God, 20 year olds, why are you like this? You know? Right. Right. So I get it. Like, I get it. But at the same time, just like I have to kind of step back and be like, okay, just take a breath. Remember what it was like in your head when you were 16. Yep. It's like saying I'm older, therefore I'm right, never helps anyone. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I that was what I really loved um, about the conversation that you and Jules had with Becca and Molly is like their perspectives were very unique and that they watched the show 
as a younger person, as like a Gen Zer, the you know the Gen Q generation, and or just being one that can identify as being in like their early twenties, which again I know we are still young, but like me at twenty is much different than me at thirty one. So like yeah, my experience probably would have been a lot different watching the show then too, and just to hear right. their perspective on things like Bet and Jody and Tina and in these different things. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed listening to it because they just saw things in and kind of watched these couples in a much different way than I did. Yes. And I, and, yes. and that's the thing, right? It's like we're only going to learn if we talk to one another about things that maybe we don't see completely eye to eye on the differences and what causes a lot of strife in this particular fandom is that you can't mono, like you can't just like go back and forth and have this dialogue with people. Right. It's right. I think therefore it's fact. Right. <laughs> and that just gets so old, you know, it, right. it just gets so old. So yeah. um, anyway, happy birthday, Amber. You're, we love you. You're great. And um, let's talk about this episode today um called luck. can you tell we really don't want to yeah called luck next time wait before we actually talk about the episode something that we need to talk about is that we are <clears throat> 31 days away from the early premiere of the show of generation q season two and yes. we have the now got we have now got the full trailer Yes, and there's so much speculation. There's so much going on present day. Like we got a glimpse of Carrie and Tina and Bet all in the same Don't room. Don't remind me. Don't remind we me. Got, we got the, the confirmation. Bet continuing to be the most dramatic person yes. on the face of the earth, which yes. I love. Well, and the confirmation that we, we all suspected was that Bet and Gigi have yes. some, some sort of Hook up. some sort of something we're like yeah like a hookup and what i also want to say before we start i actually talked about this episode is that i have been re-watching gen q it's been a while since i've watched season one normally i just re-watch like the tibet scenes and move on but i've actually been like watching it from the beginning and i have a new appreciation for bet that i don't think i did before for me i really have enjoyed watching bet and Angie as a teenager. And I think that Bet being such a good mother, not that she wasn't in the original series, but like she is just, I feel like for as much as people criticize Bet Porter and Gen Q, there are so many ways that she actually has grown. And it's not Gen that she's- Gen Q Bet is my favorite. I'm not yeah. gonna lie. And it's not that she doesn't, we also make mistakes, right? Like we all will. Every one of us has parents or guardians or caretakers to some extent. And we know that they were not perfect. They are not perfect present day. <laughs> and Angie introduced- very much knows that. <laughs> yeah. And so anyway, it's like, it's, my heart is softening to bet in that regard, because seeing her now is just like, I feel like she's had a lot of like redemption into like the personal struggles that she's had that we saw so much, so often in the original series. Yeah. Porter redemption arc. Let's go. Yep, exactly. But um, like, that's what makes this a whole like concept of Tibet getting back together so perfect. Because yeah, like 
that's what I feel like Beck kind of needed. And I know people get mad. I know that I'm going to get some angry comments on Twitter for suggesting that Bet is the one that needs to win Tina back. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I feel like just in the trajectory of their relationship, I don't think it's necessarily that Bet needs to prove herself to Tina. I think they need to find their way back together. And this is the growth that Bet needed to go through to be the person that needed to find her way to Tina. Yeah, I agree. I also think that like, uh, it's just even watching these scenes with Tina and Angie and Gen Q and just Tina and Bet. period. You know, for all of the criticisms that come up about Gen Q, can we please just acknowledge how much of a gift it is to even have Laurel back? Yes. Like what a what a shift in the like last leg of season one it was to like see oh her presence. And I think one of the most touching moments that I've seen it with Tina, Gen Q or original series is when she's talking to Angie about why she had to leave. And also yes. just like the way she so eloquently put it to Angie of this, the journey that she had to go through with, with yeah. that and finding herself in like the sincerity in her voice when she says like, I'm so sorry it meant I had to be so far away from you. Yeah. And you know what? Maybe now that I'm thinking about it, I think when I'm saying that like it's Bet's turn <laughs> to kind of go through the character growth, I don't even think I'm talking about like season six where they were mm-hmm. I think it's even just looking at them in Gen Q because if you look at where Tina was even just when we saw her mm-hmm. she was so grounded mm-hmm. yep and so confident and poised and landed yep. in who she was yep. and in what she wanted and just who she was and who she wanted to be Mm -hmm. and I think that was perhaps not there when they got divorced Mm -hmm. and so I think you know somewhere in that time that we didn't see Tina did sort of do whatever work she needed to do Mm -hmm. and I think Bet wasn't quite there yet when we got to her in season one Mm-hmm. And it seems like hopefully we saw her start the journey in season one. And I think she's going to get there in season two. Right. Yeah. So I think, I think it's not that like bet has to earn Tina, like bet's done something wrong. I think it's just that bet's a little bit farther behind in the journey than Tina is. Yeah. Like, yeah. it's not like a, a moral thing. It's just a like timing well, and I- thing. I think it's, I've always thought that like, it's going to have to be them finding each other. And it's like Laurel and Jen always say, like, they do have to earn it. I also think that like, there are some, there are some wrongs that Tina is going to have to write because Absolutely. watching, watching Bet say to Tina, like, you should have been there about Kit's funeral. Yes. Like that is a Which huge, she should have been. yeah, that is a huge wrong that Tina is going to have to write. And like, again, like these actors are just phenomenal. Like the, the the pain that Jennifer was able to portray as Bet in that yes. scene, God, yeah. I felt it again. Just like 
like taking some time away and not watching Gen Q for so long and I'm watching it again, it's just like, gosh, they just acted their asses off. Yeah. You know, they just, they did such a good job, you know, reuniting and, and displaying Bet and Tina again. So anyways, uh, we could probably go on about that for an entire episode, but yep, we're going to jump into this episode. Do we have to? We do. Episode 10 starts with Tina having the birthing tank delivered to their house and Bet is just befuddled because she didn't <laughs> know it was coming Tina, asked Tina didn't her talk car. to her about it. Yeah. Tina didn't get her permission to get a birthing tank. Yeah. And so that's the thing, right? That's the first note I put here from the episode is like, but don't make yourself unavailable and then be surprised yeah. when Tina doesn't like run things by you. Like, what do you expect? Like Tina just kind of has had to make her way. Like Bet is, has so clearly overwhelmed this season one. And she just, Tina was just finally like, all right. Which is exactly what Tina tells her later. Yep. And also, you know what I loved is like, we finally get to see glimpses of sassy Tina in this episode. Like, I love when, when Beth's like, since when did we decide we're having the baby in water? And Tina goes, since I decided I wanted to give birth that way. It's yeah. like, yes, girl, I love it. Yeah. So you had time to talk to Dr. Wilson about it, but not me. Yeah. It, there's a lot of sass going on there. A lot of passive aggressive <laughs> like behavior, but also like, again, it's another prime example of just, they're not on the same page they're Again, just ships in the night. <laughs> yep. They are just like on autopilot. And again, watching this a little bit more closer every time for these reviews. But just I would of... also like to say, dear whoever wrote this stuff, who did write this episode? Who do I need to yell at? Oh, written by Rose. This was there. This episode was written by Rose. God damn it, Rose. And she and she directed it. Dear Rose Trochet. Um <laughs> The fact that you started the episode where Tina miscarries with stuff with the birthing tank. Yeah. Why was that entirely necessary? Yeah. You're not not wrong. Just thanks, Rose. Thanks. Thanks a whole lot. We love that for us. Next scene where we see Bet, she's like admiring the art that's coming with the, is it, is it with the provocation show? Yeah, it is. Because that's what like starts so much of the scandal with yeah. Faye Buckley and blah, blah, blah. That entire scene gives me so much joy. Just, yeah. yes, partly because James is in it. But James and because... baby Angie, your number, <laughs> your number one and two reason that you watch the L word. To be fair, those are two excellent reasons. So I don't know <laughs> why you drag me so consistently for this. I don't. I think baby Angie is the cutest. And I um, I, I I hope that the actor who played her is doing well today. Yes, I do as well. But I love when Bet is like so clearly into this art piece and you can see that james is trying so hard to see what she's seeing and he's just clearly not but he's just like yeah 
totally and then the guy the delivery guy shows up later and he makes that joke about it and james laughs at it and bet just looks at him like get this guy out of here please because james is just like that's number one fan and he would just do anything for her and just like yeah bet loves it so i'm gonna i'm just gonna be interested because she loves it yeah. Well, this yeah. delivery guy shows up with flowers and Bet says they can't be from Tina because Tina is a practical gift giver. And then we see the inconsistencies of the original series in Gen Q because in Gen Q, Tina sends Shane flowers. Yes. <laughs> so what is it? To be fair, I feel like Shane is really hard to shop for. Yeah, that's fair. I say like Bet isn't. Yeah. So what we know is that Faye Buckley actually sent those flowers. We find out that later that Faye Buckley sent those flowers to Bet. And this is like the beginning of this saga. Actually, I think it started last episode where like Faye Buckley is on like her very hardcore conservative Christian agenda to destroy this show because it's sacrilegious or whatever. And so we see this conversation between Bet and Tina when they're laying in bed and Tina is expressing to Beth that she hasn't been feeling very like loved and appreciated essentially by Beth recently. Mm-hmm. And like yeah. you said, trying to like stay out of her way. And honestly, like, I think that Tina really was being vulnerable in this moment and like putting her heart out there. And I guess what has always struck me about this scene is that Beth never responded. Nope, 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 nope. In fact, you know what I think is really interesting? I took a lot of notes about this scene in case you couldn't tell. Um, Uh, You are just like jumping with glee right now. (laughs) No, because what you just said, actually something that I noticed that I, I feel like I noticed before, but I forgot about. And then I noticed again this time is that when they're having this conversation, Bet like has her hand on Tina's stomach the entire time, right? Mm-hmm. And when Tina like actually says that thing about basically lately, I feel like you haven't felt proud to be with me. Bet takes her hand off of Tina, and I'm like, Bet of all times to take your hand away. Maybe not right when your partner is saying, I feel like you don't love me. Maybe that's that's not the best time to disengage the physical contact. Like, what? Why? That's, like, the only appropriate way I can, can like, respond to that, finding that information out, is to quote Michael Scott when he says, Dwight, you ignorant slut. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Bad Porter, yeah. what the fuck, man? Yeah, that's, I literally saw that happen and I was like, she did not just fucking do that. She did well, not just fucking do that. And she did. I am sir, I am not by any means a relationship expert, though I have been married for almost nine years. So, and, and happily, I'm not a bitter, you know, woman that just despises her husband but what i will say for anyone out there who's questioning if you should ever speak up when your partner tells you that they're feeling unloved and that's not actually (laughs) how you feel the answer is yes you should let them know that um you're proud to be with them and that you love them 
And if that's not obvious enough, you know, maybe find a way to show them that. Maybe don't take your hand off of them and just kind of half roll over and not say a single fucking word. You don't think that's a good approach? (laughs) Yeah. No. No. But the other thing I wanted to say about this scene because surprise, surprise, I have some thoughts about Tina, is that I just think it's really interesting the way that she kind of puts her feelings about that is that she says, first of all, I think it's interesting that she says that she feels like Bet's proud to be with her. Mm -hmm. I think that's interesting phrasing. And that she says that that makes her feel safe Mm -hmm. and loved. Mm -hmm. I thought that word safe was really interesting. Mm-hmm. Just, I'm not not particularly pondering any meaning. I mean, if we take in the possible abuse victim past, I think that could possibly have something to do with it. But mm-hmm. just, I don't know. I think it just, and it also, I think, speaks to the fact that Tina, just as a human being, has tremendous amounts of anxiety. Yeah, Just, and we know that like safety and security is very important to her. We 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 learned that about her throughout the series, and I yes. think that it is so vitally important to her that when Bet starts putting all of her energy, time, and efforts into something else like her job or just her career in general, period, that is when Tina feels the most insecure about their relationship. And I would bet a pretty good amount of money that that had something to do with their divorce. Like that Tina stopped yeah. feeling safe. Probably. Tina stopped yeah. feeling secure in their marriage and like they weren't working as a team. Probably. And so it's, it's strange that they go from this like very serious. To the Snoop Dogg shit. To the Snoop Dogg. It's just strange. <laughs> Which, okay, this is something I wrote down was just, I really want to know who approached who. Yeah. (laughs) I desperately want to know because both options are hilarious. Like, (laughs) both, both of those. Eileen Shaken calling Snoop Dogg's people is hilarious. Uh And Snoop Dogg calling the L Word office and being like, yo, can I be on the L Word is also hilarious. Like, I don't know which version I love more. Yeah. I don't have a ton to say about that whole situation scene. What I will say, though, is about Tina, that she can't wink. And I think that that is adorable. Yes. And I love her little dance when they're like in in like when kit is recording and she's like it's just like this very like subtle cute little dance i just i love it i love her yes i definitely agree that's i don't have much to say about that either except that that scene in the car is super adorable and i will give bet props a making sure that tina got to come in the limo with her was Mm -hmm. super like boss wife energy and her reaction to the y'all married question was also smooth as fuck and (laughs) i just have to give her alpha wife alpha wife props for that because it was just it was great yeah and so as the episode progresses we see that like that is excited because she has these books to bring with her to the doctor's appointment and what are you (laughs) laughing at i'm laughing at 
my notes because I wrote, you know what I think it is about James that I love so much is that I think he was like, he had really like frantic, perpetually exhausted millennial energy before that was a thing. Oh, sure, sure. I think I noticed that the seven because he came in with the books and he was just look, bet I have the books, like just like, yeah. and that's how he is all the time. Right. And I was also writing because right below that I had a note that was about that that line where he was like, "Are you one of those moms who reads to Tina's stomach?" And Bet goes, "It's reading to the baby, James." <laughs> oh. So she's really like really excited to bring these books to the doctor's appointment. And of course she gets stopped by Faye Buckley as she's like out the door to go to this, the doctor's appointment to meet Tina. Yeah. And Faye is just an atrocious bitch to her. Yeah. God, I, I fucking hate Christians sometimes. No, most of the time. I hate extreme Christians, radical Christians. And this is actually, they actually, this is a really good portrayal of radical Christians in my yes, opinion. Yes, it is. Yes. Um, and so, but of course gets to the doctor's appointment. Tina is not there, but finds out that Tina miscarries. And you have to know that like timing of things like, t- but is, is not good at like being on time, being there when she says she's going to be there, et cetera. So right. for her to not have been there when Tina found out that she miscarried, gosh, yep. the guilt that she must have experienced. Yep. Yeah. That's, I wrote that it's like, it's the pattern. Mm-hmm. You know, if this hadn't been a pattern, I don't think it would have been a big deal. Mm-hmm. But because this has been a thing over and over, bet always being late for doctor's appointments or mm-hmm. not being fully present or, you know, always having something else going on or, you know, and Bet's probably sitting there thinking to herself, how many moments did I miss with this baby because I wasn't paying attention or I wasn't fully right. present or I thought, you know, I'll just be their mom when they get here. Right. And now she's never going to get that chance. And she was not there for Tina when she found out that baby was gone. Yep. And both of them have to deal with the consequences of that. For sure. Yeah. And we know that like when she has this moment where like the, again, the radical Christians like come to her, her doorstep and they're, you know, trying to like, you know, do this act clearly this expose on bet porter the director of the cac you know bet just absolutely like loses her shit and the only note i put on that was that like she was just revving up for what was to come when she has the car accident in season two yeah (laughs) like we only saw just like a snippet of how how like wild and reactive she could truly be yeah that's true that's true I wrote today on give Laurel and Jennifer all the awards ever. Yes. Because like, oh my God, as an actor, just watching Laurel full body sob like that. Oh yeah. For as long and as hard as she did. I was exhausted just watching it. Sure. Like I have had to cry like that in scenes before. It's exhausting. Like even just doing it once is exhausting. So, and to make it like, to make it that raw and that real is Mm -hmm. hard. 
Well, and I'm sure that like it had to give her quite a bit of anxiety because we know that she was actually pregnant in season two and she was going to have her first child. So like to have to play that part before she's actually even gotten pregnant herself, like she is portraying a first time pregnancy and a miscarriage. She really had to go to a dark place to make that work. Like I, I, I just, I give so much, I give so many props to actors in general who can really like, like nail those really emotional scenes, but especially for the people that like, haven't been through that experience. Right. Like, yeah, I, I've always in awe of like watching Mandy Moore as like this mother and then this wife who loses her husband and like playing these, these age ranges that's like way beyond her years and doing it so well and so emotional. Yeah. I think of people like that, that like can just nail it. They just, yeah. they just do a great job. Yeah. And I actually hadn't even thought of that until you said it, but yeah, to be like, Hey, um, so know you're like trying to get pregnant, um, planning to start a family. Um, please imagine that you have lost a baby. Yeah. Go. Yeah. And you're on. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that had to be right there. Yeah, for sure that's it that's how the episode ends oh you know what I wrote which was so again this is me being an acting nerd but when the I forget which I think it's the guy yells you're going to hell Mm -hmm. and you can just see there's this thing in acting that we call playing your subtext Uh which you can see like I have never seen a more clear moment of an actor playing their subtext because uh, you could have not have like Jennifer might as well have said, I'm already there out loud. Right. Like it was written all over her face mm-hmm. and sure. it was just gut wrenching. And it's funny because I thought of the car scene because yeah. of that. Yep. Yep. No. And it was just like, it was so good. Like I had so, and that's, that's always when I know I'm watching something good is when like my acting brain starts going and I'm like, oh my God, that was a good example of that. And that was a good example of that. So, you know, ouch, yeah. but good job, Laurel and Jennifer. Mm. Oh, and just one more final nerdy note. Yeah. I don't know if they did this on purpose. Actually, let, let's be real. They definitely did it on purpose. If you're asking that about a film thing, they definitely did it on purpose. Mm-hmm. Bet's in Jesus pose at the end. She's, she? standing, she's standing in the door like oh, this. Oh, wow. Good yeah. catch. Good yeah. catch. And that's like, and then they like, she turns around and they blur out. And that's how the episode ends. And I was oh. just like, that's an image to leave with. Yeah. All right. I yeah. think that's a great place to end this episode. <laughs> what a joy. <laughs> Jesus bet. What a joyful yeah. note to end on. Yes. It's a yeah. terrifying concept. It is. Let's never explore that further, please. <laughs> <laughs> well, this, I can tell you for sure, actually, that this has been episode 17 of the all things tibet podcast yep of the all things tibet podcast i'm Brittany. i'm taylor and we will see y'all next week
tuning in to another episode of All Things Tibet Podcast, hosted by myself, Brittany, and my other co-host, Taylor. You can find our main podcast page on anchor.fm slash allthingstibet. You can find us on social media, including Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And the rest of the summer will include more interviews with other Tibet slash L-word creators. We will be interviewing some OG and some newer Gen Q fans, and we'll continue through our review of season one of the original series. Thank you to all those who continue to listen, who have supported us, and make this podcast what it is. We love you all, and we'll see you next week.